Welcome to Getting Loud on the Cloud, a podcast for companies who are hosting their largest, most complex workloads on the cloud. Hey, podcast fans. It's your favorite podcast takeover host, Ori Wiseman. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a senior solutions architect with Silk, covering the EMEA region, focused on delivering high-powered cloud solutions within the e-commerce, healthcare, and financial services industries. It's a real honor. (laughs) Thanks, Ace, but the honor's all mine. Today's podcast is called All About Data, and we're going to review how much data exists in the known universe, explore and discuss why data is so important, and not so boldly go where many have gone before. Cue the Star Trek theme. Now, while I am a nerd and love a good soundboard, I chose that phrase for a reason, because when it comes to gaining accurate insights from data, many have tried, few have succeeded. But if you are successful, if you can gain insights from your data, specifically in the B2C or business-to-consumer space, then you can build an empire. Just take Amazon, Google, and Facebook as some prime examples. Today, data reigns supreme, and all of these companies are actually data companies first, They just happen to sell goods and services on the side. But I digress. First, let's start out with some mind-blowing statistics about data. We are currently in what's called the zettabyte era. That means that we're generating zettabytes worth of data every single year. And according to Statista, this amounts to all the data created, captured, copied, and consumed globally which they project will reach 181 zettabytes total by 2025. And through some very crude Excel analysis, I extrapolated that we will enter the Yodabyte era in about 2030 to 2035, the Yodabyte being what comes after a zettabyte. So let's break this down, starting with bytes. According to Wikipedia, A byte can be related to the amount of space required to store a single character of text. So here we start with a single character of text as one byte. And if you take a byte and you multiply it by a thousand, you get a kilobyte. And if you multiply that by a thousand, you get a megabyte. And then a gigabyte, a terabyte, a petabyte, an exabyte, a zettabyte, and then a yodabyte. So this is obviously an extremely large amount and even an unfathomable amount of data, but of course we will try and fathom it. I just can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. Stick with me, Ace. We'll do it together by trying to break a zettabyte down into a number. And we'll use an analogy or rather a calculation to convey the sheer magnitude of this number. One sextillion bytes equals one zettabyte. That's one sextillion characters stored in a computer that could only exist somewhere in the quantum realm. One sextillion is a 22-digit number. Now, where does it stand in the numerical hierarchy? Let's start with a million. Multiply it by a thousand, you get a billion. Multiply that by a thousand, you get a trillion, then a quadrillion, a quintillion, and finally a sextillion. If you were to multiply 1 billion by 1 billion, you'd still have to multiply the outcome of that calculation by 1,000 in order to get to 1 sextillion. Keep in mind, we just broke down a single zettabyte. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be generating about 180 plus of those in 2025, maybe even getting up to 1,000 or more by 2030, entering the Yodabyte era. 
And what comes after all that? Well, there hasn't actually been widespread acceptance of the next iteration after Yotobyte, but from my research online, it looks like Brontobyte is next. But I've rambled on enough about data sizes. The sheer volume of data being generated is enough to demonstrate just how important and impactful and valuable data continues to be in our current society. Every second of every day, new data is being generated, analyzed, and pondered over, all in the name of gaining insights. Even this podcast has contributed to the increasing global footprint of data, and I do hope you will gain some insight from it as well. Now let's refocus on the specific use cases I want to discuss with you here today. We're talking about the B2C or retail space and specifically focused on e-commerce companies, those online retailers that are selling goods and services through a website or a marketplace or a mobile app or maybe even a social media marketplace. A lot of what we're talking about also does apply in some ways to brick and mortar retail, but we're going to leave that for a different discussion. And honestly, the opportunity to generate and analyze data in an e-commerce first world is simply exponentially higher. At the most basic level, understanding your online customer comes from understanding the data they generate. This data comes in many different flavors from many different places, including click streams, purchases, interactions, searches, and the list goes on and on. If you're an avid Amazon user like myself, including their Marketplace, Alexa, Prime, Kindle, I actually don't know what I'd do without my Kindle. I absolutely love it. It's such a good device. But if you submit a request my data request, prepare to be astonished and maybe even a little bit terrified at the amount of data that you'll receive back from Amazon. Amazon is quite literally the sultan of data. I'm going to pause here to make a point. I don't think generating and analyzing data in such a way is inherently bad. If you're an online retailer, figuring out what your customer base wants becomes critical to selling them products. It's how the data is ultimately used and misused that causes issues. But I'll leave that moral judgment for another time. Consumer needs identified through the mining and analysis of consumer data are the main driver of innovation, without a doubt. And to go back to Amazon, it's exactly this type of analysis that led to the birth of AWS in a very indirect way. Not everyone knows AWS was created because Amazon.com, the marketplace, needed to become a hyperscale solution to keep up with customer demands. As TechCrunch tells the story, to do that, they built out a series of decoupled API access fashion services to create this hyperscale solution. These services were eventually used to build out the first iterations of AWS. In this way, Amazon was able to draw insights from a totally unrelated set of consumer data, the need for a high-performing website, and remember, slow is the new down in e-commerce, which led them to determine before anyone else that the tech world needed cloud services and a public cloud provider would generate huge demand. And the reason for this at its core is simple. Other businesses and marketplaces like Amazon.com would also need high-performing websites. At one point, executives in Amazon even questioned whether it was a good idea to give out this type of IP. But ultimately, thankfully, they determined that it was. So in this way, customer needs drove in innovation in a very indirect way that without a doubt has changed the world. And so Amazon's ability to continuously reinvent themselves have kept them sitting atop a mountain of gold, one built off of data. And this is why it's so important for these retail and e-commerce companies to understand their consumers because they need to constantly reinvent themselves, 
figure out ways to provide new goods and services that meet the needs of the consumer or the future consumer. And if you can do that consistently on a long-term basis, you're going to win consistently over a long period of time. To be clear, I'm not telling e-commerce and retail businesses they need to start selling products and services that are completely unrelated to their core business. I'm just pointing out, if you're mining and refining data correctly and gaining real, actual customer insights, you never know where it'll lead, but you can bet wherever it does will almost certainly be accompanied by success. And on a flip side of that coin, if you're not doing this, you're not living up to your full potential, both as a company and as a brand. I've said it before, and I'll say it again and again and again. The most valuable IT departments are those that enable the business to innovate consistently over a long period of time. Those that really partner with the business. If you're busy putting out fires, dealing with downtime, or what seems to have become even worse in the e-commerce world of today, a slow website, you're losing customers and money is coming directly out of your pocket. Let's shift gears a bit. Thus far, we've talked about why data, accurate data analysis, and gaining insights from consumer activity is critical to success in a customer-obsessed e-commerce world. Now let's look at how we can make data work for us and where to invest your IT dollars to provide your business counterparts with the customer insights they crave. If you're still running the majority of your infrastructure on-premises, you're doing it wrong, I'm sorry to say. And here's my thesis statement for the podcast for e-commerce and online retailers. The cloud is the only place, not the best place, but the only place where you can continuously transform and reinvent your business. I'll provide a few pieces of evidence to support my statement, starting with time to implementation. In a capital expense world, going from even an anticipated infrastructure need to having it racked, stacked, and ready to use is months at best. And given the further exasperation of supply chain issues as a result of COVID, this has gotten worse, not better. Now, to be fair, the cloud has also experienced resource constraints, and in some cases, quota increased requests are required to gain access to services. With those wait times pale in comparison to hardware, order submission, fulfillment, and deployment. Next, let's consider failure as it relates to infrastructure and services investments. If you want to order a new piece of hardware, especially a hyper-converved solution meant to support a new system, you will likely need to conduct a lengthy assessment to determine the best hardware, best software, best combination of the two, while taking into account your data center requirements and operational limitations. If that assessment misses the mark, you've likely wasted a substantial amount of money and may even be stuck with a system that doesn't support your needs for years to come. And if you have a system that doesn't support your needs, there's no way you're going to be generating accurate consumer data and gaining any sort of accurate insights from that data. Worse than that, you've wasted a significant amount of team effort. And people are really what power organizations. These types of failures absolutely affect morale and may even result in turnover. Consider the same situation using cloud services. Your assessment, first of all, will likely surround a POC, which means it won't be theoretical. And you may even be able to generate some data from that. Now, of course, it's not going to be consumer data, but even data generated from your internal systems, how you operate, can be analyzed and used to improve operations. And also, your team will get hands-on experience while keeping costs both immediate and future to a minimum. And if that doesn't work as intended, you can simply walk away having gained some intellectual capital in the process. Maybe in the future, you can utilize that service in a different way, 
And if you've already touched it, you have an idea of how it can help. And what is intellectual capital, if not data that can be used to foster future innovation? So to tie this back into our overarching theme all about data, you can try more, do more, fail faster, conduct more experiments, and ultimately generate more data and garner more insights from that data when you operate in the cloud. It is simply easier to handle the consumption, storage, and analysis of data in the cloud, especially when you consider the rapid advancement and development of AI and machine learning cloud services. Ultimately, the more agile and nimble you are in your approach, the greater chance you have of successfully executing a strategy that will capture those ever-elusive customer insights. Lastly, I want to direct you to the Google Cloud Adoption Framework. And actually, I'm just picking on Google, but both AWS and Microsoft have excellent cloud adoption frameworks as well. Google's Cloud Adoption Framework consists of four themes and three phases, and I recommend reviewing their white paper in detail. However, we're going to focus on the last of their three phases of cloud adoption, which are tactical, strategic, and transformative. Now I'm going to quote Google's white paper directly as they explain what achieving this transformative phase of cloud adoption means. Existing data is transparently shared. New data is collected and analyzed. The predictive and prescriptive analytics of machine learning applied. Your people and processes are being transformed, which further supports the technological changes. IT is no longer a cost center, but has become instead a partner to the business. The white paper goes on to talk about how to achieve this long-term goal of transformational cloud maturity. And again, I highly recommend reading Google's cloud adoption framework as well as Microsoft and AWS's. I want to make one final note before we conclude. Data should be one of the only stateful aspects of your IT footprint. Everything surrounding your core data, your business critical data, should be as stateless, as decoupled, as ephemeral as possible. The goal should be to treat infrastructure as code and to build in automation at every layer of your stack. You should be able to nuke anything that doesn't need to maintain data over long periods of time and rebuild it quickly and easily, and of course, in an automatic fashion. While on-premises data centers fail much more often than those of cloud providers, no infrastructure is infallible. So make sure that you're maintaining multiple copies of your business critical data across fault domains, availability zones, regions, and even cloud providers as the multi-cloud approach becomes more and more mature and more widely accepted. This will ensure fast recovery and minimum fallout. How mobile, replicated, and secure your data is will in many cases determine how prepared you are for disaster. Losing infrastructure is recoverable. Losing data, especially business critical data, is not. So take a look at your organization and how it generates, maintains, and analyzes data and ask yourself, are we a transformative organization or are we simply keeping the lights on? Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you found this data insightful, Follow me on LinkedIn for more. And of course, don't worry. I'll be back. Getting Loud on the Cloud is sponsored by Silk, the database supercharger on the cloud. Want to get the fast performance your databases need on the cloud? The Silk Cloud platform can help. Learn more at silk.us. Thanks for listening.